Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, my name is Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our latest edition of It's Time For You. With over 70,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the 2022 podcast series here at Sheep Connect New South Wales. And today joining me on the podcast, I have Dr. Matt Playford. Matt's been with us many times on the podcast now. He's a bit of a regular attendee. We love having him on. But for those of you who don't know Matt, Matt grew up in Cowra, down on the central tablelands of New South Wales. Well, down for me, because I'm from the north of the state. Matt's done some extensive travel and study throughout the world and has been a veterinary consultant for over 17 years. And he's also the director of Dorbutts Proprietary Limited, which is a parasitology laboratory. And they also conduct research on behalf of the livestock industry. So it's great to have Matt and his knowledge back on the podcast today. And we're here talking about our favorite subject, which is worms. So it's great to have you back on, Matt. Thank you. So today I thought we'd cover off on a little bit of a seasonal worm update and look to see what autumn might have in store for us all as producers when it comes to internal parasites, Matt. We talk regularly, as I said, about worms on the podcast, but what makes this year different to what we've seen over the last few years? Look, this year we've had um, our second successive La Nina situation. So we've had very good summer rain right across the state. Normally at this time of the season, we'd see haying off of pastures, dry, dusty pastures, conditions that aren't good for worm survival. And that's great for a bit of a cleanup before the, uh, the worm numbers start to go up again in the autumn. However, this year, there's not going to be any respite. The paddocks are full of worm larvae and the sheep are continually subject to very high levels of challenge. Yes, no one's going to complain about the wonderful season we're having, but it's certainly going to be not a good season when it comes to worms. Matt, what's with such a challenging season that's going to extend on for most of us, what would your five tips be for what producers should be on the lookout for to help tackle it all? Yep, well, the first one is do whatever you can to try and reduce that pasture larval contamination. Now, as I said before, the normal tactic to use is to spell paddocks over summer, but we can't really do that this year because the worm numbers aren't going down as much as um, usual. So if you can rotate pastures with cattle and dry stock, that really does, um, that's gonna have a, a huge benefit. For two reasons, the cattle actually pull out the, uh, the high sward, they let in lots of UV light down to ground level. 
and they help the paddocks dry out and those worms to uh, actually die. Now, if you, if you can't rotate with cattle, you can use uh, pasture rotation with short grazings. Um, you can use um, worm egg counts of rams so that your rams are uh, throwing resistant um, lambs. Barbavax, Biowormer, uh, effective treatments, and that includes your long-acting treatments. And then a couple of um, issues to do with reproduction where short joining periods and then scanning and drafting, separating your multiple bearing ewes from your singles actually does help reduce um, pasture larval contamination as well. Once we've got a couple of clean paddocks, if we manage to get that under control, what animals should we be putting on those pastures? Your priority always should be your young stock, particularly those weaners, because they've got a lot of uh, a lot of challenges. They're coming off a you know a milk supplemented diet onto uh, you know a, a hard feed diet that's um, you know pasture and whatever supplements they're getting. And that's a big transition for them. A lot of them actually get a check in their um, uh, average daily gain around that time, and the worms will actually reduce their appetite. So it'll it'll further impact their ability to uh, do that dietary transition. So that's the that's the number one group. The second one is your pregnant ewes, because while the ewes are pregnant, they tend to prioritise the lamb and the lactation for their energy and they don't put as much energy into their immunity. And so the worms uh, take advantage of that to increase in numbers and increase the number of eggs that they lay. Matt, just before you mentioned the use of long actings or LAs as we tend to shorten the term to, and there's so many mixed messages out there running around industry on long actings and the best use of them. Where do you see a role of long actings this year and how should we be using them correctly? Okay, well look, before I before I start on the details, Fiona, we should probably remember that um, one of the worm boss principles is to use short acting treatments in preference to long actings. And that's simply because of the reason that long actings tend to select more quickly for resistance. So rule, rule number one would be, if you can get away with not using long actings, then do that. Use a short acting drench. Then when we move down, once you've made the decision to use a long acting drench, when do you use it? It's always best to use it when there are um, a lot of worms already on the ground. And that's because any selection that's going on will be diluted by the worms that are not in the sheep and aren't being selected for resistance. And that's why it's uh, it's best to use them in the wintertime when there tends to be more worms actually in the pasture compared to on the sheep. Then there's two more rules, Fiona, and they are always use a primer. That is, a primer is an effective drench used at the same time as you give the long-acting injection. And then the final one is use a tail cutter. At the end of the payout period of the long-acting injection, go in and use an effective drench, that is one that's got 95% kill or better, to clean up those nasty resistant worms that are going to contaminate your paddocks. Now, Matt, when we're looking at trying to clean these paddocks up and monitoring our level of pasture contamination, you have a really 
nifty way of doing that and I like your little roadmap that you have explained to some of our listeners on the our webinar series before and I was just hoping you could share it with our podcast listeners. Yeah, if you go to the uh, Wormboss website, you'll actually see graphs that show the survival of larvae on pasture. And so it's, um, it's easy to see that at high temperatures, the, um, the number of larvae on pasture re are reduced to only 10% of what they used to be after only three to four weeks. And so we're talking about, you know, temperatures um, in the, you know, 35 degrees or more. However, as it gets cooler, and this is, um, we're talking about temperatures at ground level, so when you've got good shade caused by good pasture um, growth, like we have at the moment, and also when you have nice humidity, which also increases larval survival, then those numbers spin right out. And at the end of six months, you may still have 90% uh, kill. It might Sorry, it might take you six months to have that 90% kill. So the bottom line for producers is to try and speed that up. And the, um, the, the simple way to do it is to get a paddock map and put your traffic lights on it. So a paddock that's had wormy sheep in it recently, that'll get a red light. And then as time goes on, and you might uh, cross graze it with cattle, you might make hay, you might um, slash it even, or you might spell it for a period then that red light turns into an orange light for hazardous but not terrible. And then eventually it'll turn into a green light for a safe pasture that you're happy to put your lambs onto. Thanks, Matt. It's a very simple but effective tool. When you've given us some advice already on the podcast today, you've mentioned an effective drench. What makes an effective drench? Okay, so... An effective drench is one that works at 95%. It kills 95% of the worms. Now, when you're using drenches that are less than 95%, you'll find that um, not only do the worms survive in the sheep and cause problems for the sheep, but they also contaminate the pastures. And so they are uh, maintaining the selection for resistance and those worm populations are going to get more and more resistant. And 95% um, might seem arbitrary, but it is. Um, there's a lot of evidence behind choosing that as the uh, as a benchmark because it uh, achieves both the aim of um, relatively worm-free sheep and also less selection for resistance. And how do we know, Matt, if the drench that we gave last week is effective? Can we test for it easily on farm? Yes, it's the simplest test you can do, Fiona. Just take a sample, uh, a dung sample at the time of the drench, and that's called the day zero um, worm egg count, and then do another one 14 days after the drench. When you compare those two worm egg counts, you can tell how well that drench has worked simply by taking away the number uh, originally there or the number remaining from the number that were originally there and working it out as a percentage. Now, on top of that, if you get a worm ID done, then you can work out which worm species are actually surviving the drench. Now, your lab and all your workers at the lab at Dorbutts are going 
crazy at the moment. They've got so much work to do in such a wonderful season that we're all having. So it's a great season for the worms of Westset as well. Are you seeing any common trends coming back through your lab with regards to resistance? Yes, uh, yes, we are. And I have to have to give a shout out to the crew in the lab at the moment. They're doing a fantastic job. They're getting hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of worm egg counts coming in. Um, so, for example, um, during October and November, the worm egg counts across New South Wales were about four or 500 eggs per gram. That's an average for the mob. And then in December, they shot up to 1,000, uh, over 1,000 eggs per gram for the mob average. And that's pretty concerning because we know that there are a lot of individuals in those mobs that will have, um, you know, much higher worm egg counts and they even could be in danger. So um, that's, that's one of the trends that we've seen. The numbers have stayed high through uh, January and we haven't really got enough um, to tell you what's happening in February yet. So if we're looking at choosing a drench this season, Matt. What should we be considering? Well, look, um, we have done a lot of uh, post-treatment drench checks and from them we can roughly work out, you know, which drenches have got um, very low efficacy, which ones aren't working very well, which ones are working well. And just as a, like a, a general, very general rule, any of the single active drenches, and look, let's face it, there's a lot of variation within the single active drenches, but their average when you lump them all together is 41%. So that means they're only killing 41% of the worms, they're leaving 59% of the worms behind. Now, this isn't data that we've got from trials or surveys or deliberately gone out and got it. This is just the, reflects the samples that have come through our lab from you know, the, the sheep properties across uh, New South Wales. Then you get combination drenches. Now, there's a lot of um, different types of product in that category, uh, ranging all the way from a straight uh, white plus clear combination, all the way up to, um, you know, the, the latest combinations that add in uh, moxidectin. Now, if we lump them all together, the average efficacy is only 71%. So they may work a lot of the time, but the average is only 71%, so the odds are against you having a good result if you, if you haven't already done a drench check. And then the third category are the new drenches. So we're just talking about StarTect and Zolvix. And if you look at those new drenches, the average efficacy over the last five years has been 95%. So they're bang on where they should be and you have a much higher chance of getting a good result with, the, with those new drenches than if you used uh, one of the older ones. Matt, it's not just all about drenching. We've got a lot of barber's poleworm in the north of the state, but it's also in a season like this spread right throughout New South Wales fairly well now. What about barbervax? One of the questions I hear often circulating is, um, normally you'd be starting to wind up, thinking about anyway, over the next month or so, winding up your Barbavax program for the season. H how can you make that decision in a year like this when our season doesn't seem to be going to end? Yeah, great, um, uh, great topic, Fiona. Um, 
Look, you can continue to give Barbavax um, to both your uh, lambs and to your ewes if you're on a ewe program. And um, as long as you just maintain that six-week um, period, keep on giving Barbavax um, because the challenge is still very high and it'll work right through until autumn if needs be. And so um, the other thing to do is when you're giving the Barbavax, sometimes you will, you will need to give a drench and the best way to work that out is to keep an eye on your sheep, have a look at their uh, their condition, um, and uh, maybe do worm egg counts to monitor and work out what your trigger level is for giving a drench. And that's going to be fairly important, I imagine, Matt, for people, whether they're on a Barbavax program this year or not, is to continue monitoring late into this season. Yes, that's right. The principles are exactly the same. Um, you monitor the sheep and um, just work out if they're, uh, if they're um, in low body condition score, if they're on poor nutrition, um, if they're showing signs of um, they can't, they can't um, walk well, you know, if they're uh, slowing down when they're being mustered. Um, or if they fall over, if they show any pale colour in their eye or their gums, and particularly if they're showing those characteristic signs of bottled jaw, then you know they're, uh, they're very strong warning signs that they, they will need some uh, fairly immediate treatment. Now, Matt, one of the new ways of monitoring, which is gathering steam across the state, is FEC packs, which are fairly new to our industry. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, there's always been um, some uh, veterinary clinics and um, rural stores that have offered worm egg counts. FECPAC is um, just a, a simpler way of maintaining that service. So process um, samples in the store or in the vet clinic or even on farm, but it does connect you with a, a laboratory and allows your, um, your worm egg counts to be done by a professional in a laboratory. Uh, simply using a, um, a FECPAC machine that beams the images from the microscope up to um, the internet and then onto the technician, the professional technician who does the worm egg count for you. And Matt, how do we find out if there's a FECPAC um, available near us, in a store near us? Well, there is a map on the Dorbits website. If you go to Dorbits, Dot com, that's D-A-W-B-U-T-S dot com. Have a look and there's a uh, actually a map that shows all of the providers for FECPAC um, right across Australia. So you can click on uh, one of those yellow dots and see um, just where your closest one is. All, getting all those results through to the one database, Matt must be giving some pretty incredible data and information back to industry. Yeah, it's really powerful. You can actually have um, results that are reported, you know, on a very regular basis, on a weekly basis if you want. So it's a great way of keeping a finger on the pulse of what's happening um, in the different regions. As a producer, could you narrow down the results of what's happening for other producers in your area? No, you can't actually see them um, as an individual and that's simply because of data privacy laws. It's only the, um, 
it's only the uh, the owners of the information that are able to access the big databases, I'm afraid, Fiona. Oh, that's okay. That's um, beneficial to both parties still, though. Um, Matt, let's move away from the monitoring for a, a little bit to finish up. When we look at other ways to help pre prevent and help our animals cope with worms, nutrition is a huge part. Is there enough feed on the ground to be providing ample nutrition at the moment or are there certain things we should be looking out for? Well, look, this does vary a lot from place to place, Fiona. In places where you have um, low protein pastures, there may be a relative protein deficiency and of course, worms take advantage of that the same as they do for low energy situations. And so sheep may require um, a bit of, uh, a bit of um, supplementing to help them build up resilience, which is the power to withstand the impact of worms. And just before we finish off, Matt, if we're not doing it already, one of the um, tips that you gave us at the beginning of the podcast was to try and choose rams with um, WEC for their, in their Australian breeding values. How important is this for long-term control? Gee, it makes a really big difference, Fiona, when you see um, uh, producers that have been doing this for a few years. Um, the number of times they need to drench and the, the amount of time they worry about worms in their sheep is greatly reduced. And so it's a very powerful tool for uh, selecting the right rams. Great. Thanks, Matt. And if any of our listeners need any more information on the topic, they can go to the Parabos website, which is also undergoing a revamp at the moment. So watch that space coming along as we go through the year. Thanks, Matt, for joining us on the podcast today. It was lovely to have you once again on It's Time For You. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. If you haven't done so already, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Australian Wool Innovation podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au and you can find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events during the year. Thank you again for joining us today. Bye for now.